Hello again, friends. This is Mike. You know, it's not often that I get to talk about a thousand-year-old battle on this podcast, but today I want to talk about something that's been going on since at least the 1300s, early 1300s, and it's it's the battle between the Catholic Church and Freemasonry, something I know about a little bit about on both sides. And the battle's been dormant for quite some time, but for some reason the Church decided to re-engage and it's been the news lately, which I've had a number of people ask me about it, so that's why I want to discuss it today. Stand by. Hello again, friends and fellow truth seekers. Mike Nicholas here with another episode of the Soul Unleashed podcast, where it's my goal to help you with the questions you might have regarding the awakening of your soul and particularly to help other left brain types like I think I am, to ask the right questions in our search for deeper meaning to life. Ultimately, I want to help you unleash your soul from limiting beliefs and smothering paradigms. So let's get started with today's adventure. Hello again, friends. This is Mike. This is an unusual podcast. It's kind of not something I plan to do, but it's spurred by what I just saw recently in the news. And the news is that the church has reaffirmed, the church being the Catholic church, the church has reaffirmed that men cannot be Catholics and be Freemasons. And I thought that it was important for me to make some kind of statement about that because I have a lot of experience with, with both, both things, the Catholic church and Freemasonry. For those of you that have known me for a while or been following me, you know that I've been a Mason now for uh, over 23 years. And I've been very involved with Freemasonry in the, in the Washington DC area. And my story with Freemasonry is I, I'm Catholic, of course, but I did not know what Freemasonry was for a long time. Now, when I was a young lieutenant serving in the army in Germany, I noticed that a lot of my soldiers had on this ring and this ring had the square encompasses on it. And I thought it was a, a black thing because most of my African-American soldiers, not most of them, but all of the men that had that ring were African-American soldiers. And there was maybe in my in my company of a hundred and some men, probably seven or eight guys that that fit that that description, and they were the best soldiers that we had. They were outstanding soldiers, and I respected whatever that symbol meant because of, of the way they acted, who they were. Fast forward many years later, I worked for a brief period of time for a Catholic organization, and um, there I learned that Freemasons were trying to take over the church. And that they were evil, and that Prince Charles and uh, Queen Elizabeth's uh, husband, now he's now gone. But anyway, th they were super duper evil, and they were trying to subvert the church, and they were red masons and black masons, and that the beasts that come out of the the ocean and in the book of Revelations, that those are Freemasons, and all this stuff that, I mean, I didn't really care because I didn't know what Freemasons even was. Anyway, a few years after that, in the early uh, 2000, uh, 1999, 2000, I met some men at the Pentagon where I was working, and they they had Masonic symbols on their on their wall. It was actually art, but I recognized the symbol and I asked them about it, and that eventually led to me becoming a Freemason. However, what happened first was the gentleman that you know, became my sponsor and that I learned to uh, to respect. His name was Jim. And Jim said to me, you know, Mike, before you become a Freemason, what's your religion? And I said, 
um, Catholic. And he said, are you practicing Catholic? And I said, yeah. At that time, you know, our kids were young and, and we went to church all the time and every Sunday. And um, he said, okay, before you become a Freemason, let me just suggest that you contact the Diocese of Arlington, Virginia, which is where my parish was, and just make sure that it's okay with them that you become a Freemason. He said, I'm Catholic and I did the same thing in D.C., but I just know that there might be an issue. So I had no clue, except that I knew, you know, from my experience with the Catholics that they, they didn't think highly of Freemasons. But anyway, I called the Diocese of Arlington and I said, can I speak to a priest, please? And so they got somebody who came on, said, Father, um, my name is so-and-so. I am a practicing Catholic and I'm considering becoming a Freemason. I just want to make sure before I do that, that there's no issue with my parish or with the church. And he said, hang on a second. And he went away and it took him about 15 minutes before he came back. And he said, uh, listen, as long as they don't ask you to do anything contrary to your faith, there's, there's no issue. And I thought, awesome. And so I went on, I became a Mason, whatever. About two years after I became a Mason, I was still relatively young. Jim gave a presentation in our lodge and the, you know, each lodge meeting lasts an hour and a half or so. Uh, we met once a month. And as part of this meeting, usually have some type of presentation. And it can be something that's Masonic related or hist- anything. It can be anything. And this particular thing was by Jim and it was about Catholicism and or Catholics and Freemasons. And I thought, okay, that's going to be interesting. And he talked about how, uh, you know, back in 17... Uh, what was it, 1738, Pope Clement Twelfth had issued a papal bull and that had said that free, Catholics can't become Freemasons. And that was a big deal. And then it was reaffirmed in 1884 by Pope Leo XIII with his papal bull, Humanum Genus. And again, saying that Catholics can't become Freemasons. And in 1983, it was reaffirmed by Cardinal Ratzinger in the Doctrine for the Propagation and Protection of the Faith. But anyway, Jim's conclusion was that that had all changed with Pope John Paul II and that being a Freemason was akin to maybe eating meat on Fridays and not a, not a, not a big deal. And, I, you know, by that point, I would have stopped being a Mason anyway. I understood that there was no threat to the Catholic Church or to my faith or any of that nonsense. However, about, <laughs> about five or six years later, I was about to become master of my lodge, which means, you know, the president or the leader of my lodge. I was really looking forward to Jim, you know, being my mentor and everything. And Jim gave another presentation. And that presentation, he's, it was completely 180. Same exact title, but this time you can't be a Catholic and you can't be a Freemason. And, um, you know, you can be excommunicated and it's bad and all this jazz. And I talked to him afterwards. I said, Jim, what, what the heck is going on? And he said, oh, well, a couple of years ago I joined the Knights of Columbus and I've changed my mind about that. Now I now I don't think I should be a Mason. And I was like, whatever. Um, <laughs> Jim left Freemasonry. And, um, it, it, you know, and, and more power to him. I hope he's happy, whatever. But he left Freemasonry because he had joined another organization, which, which was patterned after the Masons. Um, the Knights of Columbus, I, I know there's a lot of discussion about where they came from, but what I've read, Knights of Columbus were formed as a as an alternative for Catholics to Freemasonry, and they have their own rituals and their own symbols and their own ceremonies and and secret things too. You know, it's 
it's it's like uh, Freemasonry light for for Catholics. Um, and, but I I know many Knights of Columbus members, and they're wonderful guys, and uh, I love them, and and more power to them. I I, I think Knights of Columbus uh, is wonderful. However, I was a bit distraught because I <laughs> I was about to take over my lodge, and now you know maybe I shouldn't be a Mason, whatever. Anyway, the, the bottom line for me is this, and that is that Freemasonry is not a threat to Catholicism. And in fact, the title of this podcast is The Catholic Church versus Freemasonry because it's a one-sided battle. You know, for some reason, the Catholic Church is, is convinced that Freemasonry is trying to take over the world and destroy Catholicism, where the truth is, at least in my experience, the truth is that Freemasons couldn't be bothered or care less about what the Catholic Church thinks uh, or any church thinks. Uh, we have nothing to do with religion. And a man's free to be whatever he wants to be, Catholic, Buddhist, Protestant, Jewish, Muslim. We have men of all faiths in my lodge, and we don't discuss religion in lodge. Um, so anyway, what I want to mention here during this podcast is I went and read the the news articles about why this was necessary. And apparently there was some uh, tiff in the Philippines where the Philippine bishops were concerned that there were a lot of Freemasons were Catholics in the Philippine, and they wanted the Pope to rule about that. And uh, so the Pope signed off on this thing. I forget the organization, the Catholic organization. It's not called the Propagation of the Faith anymore. It's called, uh, anyway, it, it's some title. And all it says in all the articles that I've read is that we're reaffirming what the, the previous papal bulls said. So I think it would be instructive for you, as it was for me, if you have questions about this, go back and read what the papal bulls said, why they had so, so many problems with Freemasonry. What are, the re- what are the reasons that Catholics cannot become Freemasons? Because nobody says it out loud anymore. They just say, well, the church has always had problems with Catholics and with Freemasonry. And so I went back and I've read all the papal bulls. Um, there's about 12 different popes that have issued papal bulls uh, about Freemasonry. So I went back to the one in 1738, which is by Pope uh, Boniface VIII, and it was called Unum Sanctum. And he issued that, when you read the history about it, and now I know that there's there's probably two sides to every coin, but what I've read about it is there was a lot going on between Great Britain and France back then, between Protestants and Catholics, and that uh, the, the king of France wanted this papal bull issued so that it would restrict Catholics from becoming Freemasons because they were causing too many problems, the Jacobites in, in France. And so the Pope agreed to do that, but he, he forbade all Catholics to be Freemasons. Um, and so he called, he called the process depraved, depraved and perverted. And the reason he said it was depraved and perverted is because they do things in secret. Now he didn't know what the things were. It's not listed in the, in the, uh, in the papal bull, but just because it's secret and the Catholic Church didn't understand what they were doing, it was secret, it was uh, depraved and perverted. And he said that because they're doing things in the dark, that it, it must be uh, must be bad. So that was Unum Sanctum. And then in 1884, and I think this is the most, if you're going to read any papal bull, the one in 1884 is the one to read. It's by Pope Leo the Thirteenth. It's called Humanum Genus. And this 
papal bull is is really quite a piece of our uh, work. He goes through all the reasons why Masons cannot be Catholic or Catholics cannot be Masons, and he attacks he attacks Freemasonry. And one of the things he says right up front is the reason that Freemasons uh, Freemasonry is evil is because their objective is the overthrow of the whole religious political order of the world. The overthrow of the whole religious and political order of the world. Uh, that's quite a that's quite an objective. I can tell you from uh, well, I'll get that in a minute. So, so he, he he's convinced that the the Masons are trying to take over the world and dethrone the Catholic Church or whatever. This was a period of time, even in 1884, when the Catholic Church still had a whole lot of power, particularly in Europe and was used to being in charge and used to being the only game in town. So here's another reason. He also mentioned secrecy. So so taking over the world was one thing he had problems with, Pope Leo. The other thing was secrecy. He thought that because they were being secret and, and doing oaths, and uh, he didn't understand what those were, and that it had to be evil or be wrong. But here's some other cool things that maybe you didn't know, that the reason Pope Leo the Thirteenth wanted to uh, get rid of Freemasonry. Freemasons advocated for public schools. They didn't want to have uh, schools that were solely the province of religious schools. Now, it wasn't that Freemasons didn't say that religious schools are fine and you could have public schools and religious schools. It was just the fact that they wanted to have public schools with no religion in them that was a grave sin. So today we, you know, we accept that as pretty pretty common. But Masons at the time, especially in Europe, were advocating for schools, some schools that didn't have any religious influence in them, and particularly no Catholic influence, and that was evil. Second thing was civil society. Masons were advocating for a civil society that dealt with control and governance of civil life without the church. And so up until that point, and certainly throughout the Middle Ages and, and the Renaissance, the church was very involved in politics. Popes were very involved in politics. They chose rulers, they chose kings, they chose governors, they chose everything down to mayor. The Masons did not accept that. They wanted to have civil rule, civil elections, free elections, and this was a threat to the Catholic Church. And so uh, Pope Leo XIII makes some comment about how man, men have passions that they can't control, and without the influence of the church in, in politics, that uh, <laughs> that the... Uh, this experiment, if you will, of, of having a civil society without the church being in control was doomed to failure and, and evil. So secrecy, overthrowing the, the world, public schools, civil society. Oh, also the, the pontiff had to be supreme. There was another papal bull uh, in 1302 by, uh, by Pope Boniface VIII. And um, I'm sorry, I got my papal bulls confused. The one in 1302 was called Unum Sanctum, and that's the one where he talked about the Pope. Everybody in the world is subject to the Pope. So the Pope controls or rules everybody in the world. Uh, that was before the Reformation, and <laughs> things have changed since then. But Pope Leo, or Pope, um, yeah, Leo XIII brings it up in Humanum Genus, that that's another reason why, because Masons don't recognize that the Pope is the supreme authority in the world. The 1738 papal bull by Pope Clement XII was called Eminenti Apostolatus. So for those of you that are purists uh, about 
being depraved and perverted. That's the papal bull, Eminenti Apostolatus, 1738. All this is easy to find on Google. There's a lot of websites. You can just pull it right up and read the whole thing. A couple more things that Pope Leo pointed out that why Masons couldn't uh, couldn't be around or, or couldn't be Catholics couldn't be Masons, and this kills me. But this is it's the it's the heresy of indifferentism. So indifferentism supposes uh, or posits that only Catholicism is the only way to um, to salvation. And I'm going to quote here from him. Uh, indifferentism. He says that the manner, this manner of reasoning, assuming that there are other paths to God, this manner of reasoning is calculated to bring about the ruin of all forms of religion, and especially of the Catholic religion, which, as it is the only one that is true, cannot without great injustice be regarded as merely equal to other religions. That's a direct quote from Humanum Genus. And so he's saying that if you believe that uh, there's other ways to God outside of the Catholic religion, it's called indifferentism. It's a heresy and uh, it's a grave sin. Finally, the Pope also went off on civil marriage. At that time, all marriages were done in the church and Masons were advocates of civil marriages uh, outside of the church and he, and, and divorce. Um, and at that time, that was a big deal. And the Pope, of course, was criticizing Masons for supporting both divorce and for civil marriages. So those are the, go read it yourself if you want. Those are the main things in Humanum Genus and uh, the other two papal bulls. The fact that Masons are doing secret stuff that no one understands. The fact that they want to overthrow the whole world uh, and, and re- replace the religious and political order of the world. Uh, the fact that they want to have public schools and civil society without religion, they won't recognize that the pontiff is supreme, the sin of indifferentism, and civil marriage. All that's listed in uh, the papal bull. And that's the reason why Masons, Catholics can't be Masons. Um, I, I loved another line from the from Humanum Genus. It is the special exclusive duty of the Catholic Church to teach children. So, <laughs> so I mean, they do a good job. I, I, I'm a product of Catholic schools, so I'm not criticizing that, but I think it's a, uh, it's, it's a little bit wrong to suggest that only the Catholic church should be responsible for education. Another thing, and I'll end kind of with this, another thing that they mention in, he mentions in this papal bull is that the little guy, little Masons, um, they probably just don't know what's going on and they're stupid. And so there may be many good men or men that appear to be good because they're going about life and doing their thing and they're Freemasons, uh, but they don't know what's really going on with the big wigs. And the guys in charge of Freemasonry are plotting to do all this bad and evil stuff. So <laughs> I can only tell you that you know, I was I was one of the the guys uh, learning about Freemasonry, and I kind of worked my way up, and I eventually was privileged to serve as the Grand Master of Masons in the District of Columbia. And I can assure you that if there was some kind of plot to do horrible things and take over the world, that I would have at least got a whiff of it. Um, honestly, you know, we we have challenges sometimes organizing a picnic. 
we're not ready to take over the world just yet. Okay. Uh, plus the age of Masons is pretty high. And, uh, uh, even the guys I know that are 33rd degree Masons whom people make out to be uh, monsters or something, do some research and see who 33rd degree Masons are, you know, Ernest Borgnine and John Wayne and guys that are not idiots, right? I mean, 33rd degree Masons have, uh, have been pillars in our community and pillars throughout the world. Uh, but, <laughs> but we're not ready to take over the world, believe me. And, and, I don't think there's a plot and I don't think I'm just some dumb little guy that, uh, that didn't know that that was going on. So I just want to address this today because when I saw this, you know, a couple of people know who know that I'm Catholic and know that I'm involved in Freemasonry just kind of want to know what I thought about this and would this change my opinion about Freemasonry? And it, it does not at all. You know what that priest told me years ago, you know, if they do anything that's contrary to your Catholic faith. You know, that's a problem. That has never happened. No one cares about the Catholic faith. No one cares about any specific faith. When I say care, I mean no one's trying to physically harm any specific faith. You know, I've heard also criticisms that Masons refuse to acknowledge Jesus Christ or the Blessed Mother. I mean, they they don't refuse to acknowledge Jesus Christ or the Blessed Mother any more than they refuse to acknowledge Buddha or uh, Muhammad or. you know, I don't know who, who, God, uh, you have to believe in God to become a Mason. You have to believe in some, a power bigger than yourself, something more important than just you, because that's, that's part of who we are. But, um, but there's no, if somebody was to mention Jesus in a lodge, you know, lightning doesn't strike and your, and your hair doesn't catch fire. Um, it's more of a matter of courtesy that you don't pray to Jesus in a lodge because You've got a lodge full of other men that are that are there of different religious backgrounds. So you try and just keep it God or or, or the Grand Architect or whatever you want to use for the concept of deity. Uh, but it's not it's not a restriction or a prohibition or anything. It's more courtesy than anything else because you've got so many different faiths. And Freemasonry, honestly, is a beautiful example of how all different faiths can work together for a common good. You know, there's so many, so much charitable work that Masons do that uh, that I think is pretty amazing. So that's um, that's kind of my thought on <laughs> on Freemasonry and uh, and the lodge. Uh, never been asked to do anything that I thought was unusual or odd. Uh, the thing about secrecy, let me just cover that real quick. Yes, we have ceremonies that are secret, and and there's nobody knows how old Freemasonry is or even when it started, but there's a school of thought that I find attractive that, that traces our origins back to the Knights Templar. Knights Templar were destroyed by uh, which Pope? I forget the Pope's name, but it was in uh, 1307 when he and the King of France conspired to uh, arrest and destroy and torture uh, many Knights Templar. And uh, this was during the Inquisition. And the church was vicious. I mean, you read the stories about this. They tortured uh, Jacques de Molay, was the last grand master of, May, of uh, Templars, Knights Templar. And he was burned at the stake in front of the Notre Dame Cathedral in, in France, Paris, uh, after he was tortured for years and, and made to confess. And he recanted that confession. Uh, and then they burned him at the stake with two other guys. Um, the Catholic Church sent Dominican priests who were experts 
and torture to England to further torture Knights Templars they had captured there. Bottom line was that to be a Knights Templar after this crackdown, and the crackdown occurred because uh, the King of France wanted money. He wanted the Templar treasure to use to fight fight England. Uh, it was all politically, cynically motivated, and the King of France managed to connive and convince a weak pope to do this. But the bottom line is that if you were a Templar after that happened, you were killed. You were subject to torture or imprisonment uh, if they discovered who you were. And so there were means of recognition that were developed to uh, and, and oaths that were taken to protect men and their families uh, after that happened. And there's a lot of evidence to, to support that those oaths that we take, uh, they're symbolic in nature, but but they meant something in the 1300s. And, um, and we still, we still say the same words, the same oaths that they took back then. The oaths go back as far as anybody can remember, but, um, but we don't, we don't have a different system of salvation. That's another criticism I've heard. Uh, You know, (laughs) there's no system of salvation outside of whatever my personal religion is or whatever your personal religion is. So, Bottom line is, it's it's a tempest in a teapot. The church is making war for some stupid reason on Freemasons and resurrecting this centuries-old battle for no reason. Um, you know, and, and the it just does not make sense to me. Anyway, that's it. A little bit longer than I intended to here. Uh, this is a video and an audio podcast. But thank you for listening, and I will be back with uh, my normal podcast next week. Bye bye. All right, friends, that wraps up things for today. Can you do me a favor? Can you hit the subscribe button wherever you download this podcast? And that way you'll never miss an episode. But uh, more importantly, if you can leave a review, that'd be really super. Both the review and the uh, subscribe things help other seekers such as yourself find this podcast more easily. And that's what I'm looking for. More awesome people like you. So thank you. And I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.